Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. tell you this about all these pro-abortion men. Most of these guys just want to get laid. And if their girlfriend or mistress gets pregnant in the process, they want the option of offering cash, a non-disclosure agreement, and an abortion. Dave Portnoy, O.J. Simpson, Samuel L. Jackson, they're just like Adrian Bronner. Two years ago, the boxer confessed on his Instagram page, without abortions, I would have almost 30 kids. Ow! That's my fire today. I'm going to justify that whole thing in a second. But first, I want to say happy Monday. The weekend is over and we're ready to fire it up to start a work week. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, continuing our discussion from Friday about the uh, Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, Dave Shannon will be here today. T.J. Moe will be here today. Steve Kim will be here today. We're going to address the sports angle. All these athletes, all these celebrities, everybody has something to say about the abortion deal. And we're seeing a lot of athletes and a lot of celebrities come out in support of the pro-abortion movement. They just all want to bow down to women. How dare anybody try to second guess a woman? <laughs> so uh, let me get this fire started and justify what I was talking about at the very beginning of the show. Uh, abortion on demand has long been the welfare check of feminism and the sexual revolution. It allows for sex without consequence or responsibility. It levels the playing field, freeing women to join irresponsible, weak, and displaced men in abandoning children before, before eye contact. Modern feminism is nothing more than women's fight to be as morally bankrupt and undisciplined as O.J. Simpson, Harvey Weinstein, and Jeffrey Epstein. It should come as no surprise that men ruled by money and fame are seemingly all in agreement on the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Abortion is the culture's get-out-of-jail-free card. It's the linchpin in normalizing the swipe right, hookup freedom men and women untethered from biblical morality desire. Friday's Supreme Court ruling unmasked the high-profile Sex Without Consequence coalition that ties O.J. Simpson, Dave Portnoy, LeBron James, Samuel L. Jackson, Kyler Murray, Kendrick Lamar, and so many more. Celebrity men took to Twitter this weekend to share outrage over the court's decision to return the abortion debate back to the states. O.J. Simpson, yeah, O.J. Simpson was one of the first people in. He dropped this video uh, with his pro-abortion take. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Happy Sunday. <laughs> well, it's my Twitter site, so it's my opinion. 
Let's start with Roe versus Wade. Uh, I thought it was a horrible decision. I think women should have the right to decide uh, uh, what happens uh, with their bodies, especially in cases of rape and, um, and incest. I'm a little surprised that some of these alleged evangelical women who uh, have been speaking out against, you know, I guess abortion. Look, if you believe in God, you should know it's gonna come down to whatever person and the Lord one day. So let's leave it up to him when that time comes. Uh, we all gonna have to face him. OJ doesn't know what he's talking about. He's conflating the issue. The Supreme Court ruled that it's up to the states, to the states to decide abortion. It's not a federal issue. It's not up to the Supreme Court. Uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, the founder of Barstool Sports, he called an emergency press conference on Friday to vent. Uh, take a listen. At what point do you look at the Constitution and say, hey, this was written by people who had slaves? Maybe not everything is exactly to a T in the Constitution. Like a million years from now, you're going to use a document written in the. It's just nuts. In what world? The world evolves, people evolve, technology evolves. You've got to evolve. You can't stick with this document and look at that and be like, that's the end all be all. It, it, it's literally crazy pills. And it's coming from somebody who consistently is like, the US is the best country in the world by a mile. I still believe it, but we're going backwards. And the left and the right suck so bad. Like the left hates me. The, the woke left, the liberals, they're crazy. They're insane people. Yet I end up having to vote for a moron like Biden because the right is gonna put Supreme Court people in who are just ruining this country and taking basic rights away. I honestly believe 95% of the people in the country think like me. They're like, they're liberally, they're, they're socially liberal and they're financially conservative. They like 90% of what Republicans, they don't like the woke culture, all this craziness. But then you look at what they're doing and it's like, you're taking away basic rights. What's next? Same-sex marriage? Like, what is next? It's insane. That's why we have to vote for the morons like Biden, who's borderline incompetent, because it's too dangerous to vote Republican. Like, what the f*** are we doing? Wake up. Look, I don't know Dave Portnoy. I've never met him. I don't know who he voted for. It's hard for me to believe he voted for Joe Biden. It sounds like he's insinuating a lie, in my view. Guy interviewed Donald Trump, his affinity for Trump, uh, he made quite clear. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that he voted for Joe Biden. But the guy's untethered from reality. He, he's untethered from any morality. He, he doesn't understand, again, I, he has no religious convictions or any convictions at all. He just, wants to do what's best for Dave Portnoy. And that's why all these people, I'm socially liberal. That means anything goes with me. And that's the way I wanna live my life, anything goes. And I'm physically conservative. That means I wanna be rich so I can pay for whatever it is I want. Those are his values. I wanna be rich and I want anything to go, anything that I desire, I wanna do. Great values. Uh, he wasn't alone though. OJ, Dave Portnoy, LeBron James, he chimed in. 
Uh, he, he absolutely, it's absolutely about power and control according to LeBron's Twitter feed where he was retweeting another guy and just who was complaining about the Roe v. Wade ruling and how this is all about control. They just want to control women. And LeBron, you know, he's for women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, he took to Twitter, fired an Uncle Clarence racial slur at Justice Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. Gotta play that card because uh, Clarence Thomas wants to the states to decide abortion because Clarence Thomas isn't one of these, hey, just abortion on demand guys, because Clarence Thomas actually believes in policies that would actually lead to more black people rather than lead to the more slaughter of black children in the womb. He's an Uncle Tom for that. Samuel L. Jackson, he's the righteous one. During a concert in England, Kendrick Lamar, he donned a thorny crown, fake blood, and shouted, Godspeed to women's right. You know, Kendrick, he's just awesome. Just awesome. You know, he's the smartest guy. He, you know, he won a Nobel Peace Prize for rap. He, he's, he's the leader we need on this. Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, tweeted, No one should be able to force their beliefs on anyone's body. That is not right. Sending love to our women. Where was Kyler Murray? when all of the NFL was being forced to take a vaccine? Did he, did he tweet out, did he have the courage during that time to do what Aaron Rodgers was eventually forced to do, what Cole Beasley did from the get-go? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was anti-vaccine and Kyler Murray never took it. I don't remember, I don't remember seeing any of the tweets this strongly about, hey, Let's don't force this on my body or any of my teammates' bodies. Uh, Juan Thornhill, a defensive back for the Chiefs, added, uh, you can take this however you want, but men should never be able to make decisions about what women do with their body. It's that simple. Well, actually, it's not that simple. But it is to boys and men raised in a matriarchal culture. They'd rather question God than question their mother. See, that's what Thornhill's doing. He, he doesn't understand. And again, I don't know his religion. I don't know if he has any, but he just doesn't get it. His mentality is, how dare anybody question women? And if the Bible says abortion is wrong and it's murder, he's far more comfortable, and this entire society is far more comfortable questioning the Bible than women because we've been soaked in this matriarchal culture. I could go on listing other athletes and celebrities who offered apologies to women. I get it. Most of these guys just wanna get laid. And if their girlfriend or mistress gets pregnant in the process, they want the option of offering cash, a non-disclosure agreement, and an abortion. They wanna make the rules up as they go. See, that's why they wanna be rich I'm fiscally conservative. And that's why they're socially liberal. I wanna do whatever I wanna do. And I want my money to justify it and to clean up any mistake that I make. Two years ago, the boxer Adrian Bronner confessed on his Instagram page, without abortions, I would have almost 30 kids. We can't do this. 
We can't continue with a no discipline allowed or no denying abortion culture. It's killing America by killing our respect for life. We can't eliminate all standards of morality and self-responsibility. NDA is the enemy of self-governance. Avoiding unwanted pregnancy is not that difficult. It requires a tiny amount of discipline. Condoms work. Abstinence has only failed one time in the history of mankind, and atheists believe the lone failure is a fairy tale. Vasectomies and tubal ligation are nearly as effective as abstinence. Birth control works. More government intervention is not the right solution for a problem rooted in individual irresponsibility. Jacob Johnson, a fullback for the Las Vegas Raiders, reflected the thoughts of many people angered by the Supreme Court decision, tweeting out, pro-life better get to work paid maternal and paternal leave, universal health care, free child care, financial support for mothers, equitable K through 12 education. Jacob, <clears throat> why do so many athletes believe the government fixes problems? There's no proof that the government fixes problems. None. That kind of thinking goes against everything athletes are taught in sports. In sports, all problems, all solutions start with the man or woman in the mirror. Every coach tells you that every locker room environment is immersed in that mentality. Quit looking outside for solutions. You be the solution. The creation of a child is within the control of the man and the woman who climb into bed together. You surrender some of that control when you use drugs or alcohol to assist you in the pursuit of intimacy. We should make, uh, we should make sex under the influence as unpopular as driving under the influence. Weed and alcohol are the tools of the sexually weak. You know how I know? I used to use those tools. It contributed to an unwanted pregnancy that ended in abortion. I did not know about or participate in the abortion, but my irresponsible behavior contributed to the ending of a child's life. I have to answer for that. I know what weak people do because I'm weak. That's why I've embraced my faith. I've done all the weak BS that these guys are doing and want to justify and continue to do. They're not man enough to look in the mirror and address the person at the root of the problem. It's you, it's man. You wanna front like you're big, tough, and a conqueror of the world. You're a coward. America is America is answering for cultivating a secular culture intent on removing all morality. The culture has corrupted the athletic world. Athletes, once symbols of this nation's highest ideals and values, are unapologetic, money-obsessed, no morals rock stars. 
Can you blame them? America's spiritual leaders have surrendered to the exact same temptation. The lure of popularity has seduced many ministers to avoid speaking on modern culture. Speaking against the savagery of abortion could upset a significant portion of any female-dominated congregation. It's similar to the calculation many in the church made during the Civil Rights Movement and before the Civil War. My favorite minister, Tulsa's Mike Todd, made no reference to the overturning of Roe v. Wade this past Sunday. He spoke for two and a half hours yesterday. His church is filled with young people. Many of them, I would assume, are sexually active and need guidance on an issue as pervasive as the abortion debate. Leadership voids get filled. O.J. Simpson, LeBron James, Kendrick Lamar, Kyler Murray, Samuel L. Jackson, and Dave Portnoy are more than happy to tell young people what to think on any topic. Their advice serves their lifestyle and their life experience. They're the gods of the culture weak men created, the gods of a culture that preys on young women with NDAs and abortions. Strong men must rebuke their advice. That's my fire. This entire show is about trying to challenge men to stand up and be men. And it's, it's incredibly necessary right now because the weak men, the beta males, the cowards, the men detached from morality, they're standing up everywhere. They're putting out apologies to women. Baby, you know I'm not gonna take care of that baby, and you know I'm gonna insist on not using a condom. You know I'm gonna be irresponsible. I want to apologize to you for them taking, for, for them making it more difficult for you to get an abortion. This is a tragedy. Clarence Thomas, Judge Alito, Brett Kavanaugh and all them white bigots up there, they're making it harder for me to be irresponsible and to have sex without consequence. I owe you an apology because I wanna prey on you. I want to continue to go up in you raw, leave you with a baby and have the option of sending you to the Planned Parenthood closest to your zip code. I'm going to cut you a check, give you a non-disclosure agreement, and we can act like it never happened. Now you will carry that burden because you will have felt that baby inside of you and you will know, you will carry that for the rest of your life, remorse, regret, feelings about killing your baby but you can handle that. This check is gonna cover that. This non-disclosure agreement is gonna cover that. I want to remain irresponsible. There's just no way I can wear a condom. There's just no way I can have sex with you without being on drugs or alcohol. 
I must give in to my irresponsible nature and avoid all responsibility and consequences for my immoral, irresponsible behavior. I can't even do the tiniest thing. Listen, obviously abstinence and just having sex uh, with the woman I plan to marry or the woman that I am married to, you know, that's ridiculous. That, that's, that's ridiculous. That's not even on the table. That's why I'm socially liberal. I'm a Democrat. Because we know sex between a man and a woman inside the confines of a marriage, that's what Republicans and conservatives and evangelicals talk about, that crazy shit. We're not crazy. We do it right here in the club, backseat of a car, in my office. And look, if I swipe right on Tinder and run up in you raw, it was meant to be. That's what we do. We have no self-control, no self-discipline, no nothing. Damn Republicans, these evangelicals trying to stop us from doing what comes natural. Clump of cells that we just killed. Dave Shannon, uh, help me out here. This is, I, I look at these celebrities. Well, I want to start here. This whole matriarchal culture we got, it, it's convinced a lot of these men that you cannot second guess women. And, and it's much safer and much more popular to second guess God than it is the modern woman. And, and I, 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 when I look and saw all these athletes, oh, I just want to apologize to women. How dare someone try to tell you what to do? How, how dare someone uh, question or put you in check or just, even, just question anything that you do? How dare they? Uh, and we don't care nothing about God because that's outdated, God is, and I'm, I'm God, I'm rich, I'm famous, I'm God. And my God says this non-disclosure agreement, some cash and an abortion, that's better than God. I, 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 don't, I don't have a question, just help me out. <laughs> First of all, I don't think you need my help. I'm just sitting here saying amen in my mind. I just don't wanna interrupt you. You just do it really good without me. Um, you know, it's, it's really been interesting, Jason, that part of the uh, response from everybody on the other side is, you know, like you said, hey, you, no one should be able to tell a woman what to do with her body. How dare you tell a woman what to do with her body? And I was just super perplexed because I'm sure in order to be able to run a play in football or know something in baseball about how many bases are there or be able to pay attention to the count, you have to be able to count. So I'm figuring that people, when they're talking about this, they just have lost their education because when we're talking about the situation, I want to know how many people are we talking about? When a woman is pregnant, how many people are there? <laughs> and if there's more than one person there, then we're not talking about what a woman can do with her body. We're talking about what a woman can do to somebody else's body. So that's just insanity, first of all. So I'm just kind of surprised that they don't know how to count. Look 
let, let me hold on. Let me let me buttress your point where I thought you were going, and it may be what you're saying. I'm just going to say it a little different. Athletes are trained in the benefits and the rewards of obedience and obeying and being told what to do and following directions. They, they get rewarded for that. They have success, they get paid, uh, they make millions of dollars for obeying their head coach, uh, their general manager. It's like they understand structure and leadership and, and falling in line. And so this whole thing of like, <laughs> but obedience is not for you, girl. <laughs> that is not for you. Uh, you do whatever you want to do. You go, girl. Th that, these, these are some simple, scared, sex-obsessed men that, that I, I almost hate to call men. They're evil, demonic forces with penises. And, and I know it because I recognize it. I, 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 I know when that was inside of me or you know, was certainly inside of the behavior that I was exhibiting, I, I just, anyway, I, I just wanted to buttress your point. Now, you even made a better point than I did. Jason, I think that sound too that you're hearing from men right now that you identify with is the same sound that Adam heard in the garden but didn't do anything about it. It's the sound that hisses to the woman that says that you can be like God while really what he's telling her is you can call things good that are not good and call things evil that are not evil. You can have that type of authority. And what men are saying when they're saying, hey, you can't tell a woman what to do with their body. They're mimicking the same sound as that evil serpent in the garden who says you don't have to obey God. You don't have to look at life as being something that is valuable and that is beautiful. You don't have to pay attention to what the standard of reality is. You can absolutely make up reality however you want to, lady. And I'm going to help you make up that reality. It is that same hissing sound from all the way back in the garden. You know, Jason, when you said that this is uh, the consequences of uh, sex, that we don't want any consequences of sex, it's not just that we don't want any consequences of sex. We don't want any consequences at all, but we definitely don't want any promise. We want sex without promise. And, and what I mean is that there is something else deeper being said here by these gentlemen. They are actually talking about the metaphysical realities of a woman. A woman is not valuable to them. A woman is something that you can toss away and that you don't have to be committed to and you can do whatever with that you want. It, and because you don't have to be committed to her through marriage, which is actually where sex really is and where it should be, since you don't have to be committed to her through that, then you don't have to be committed to the fruit that she produces. You see, women are the most valuable, one of the most valuable commodities on planet Earth because they are the thing that help men learn how to cultivate the world. And what these men are saying is that you're not valuable. So then when I put a seed into side of you, whatever you give me that I should be able to be making to cultivate, to make the world better, to, to beautify the world, I'm not connected to it because I'm not connected to you. And so what they're really doing is actually tossing a woman's value clean out the door. Because, you know, it's no accident that we are having the question right now, permeator society, what is a woman? And what these men are saying is that a woman is absolutely nothing. She is nothing more to me than you than uh, utility and, and utilitarian use. So that way I can use her however I want to 
and then toss her completely out the door because I have no commitment to her whatsoever. And so, but (laughs) that type of man creates a certain type of society where it puts human beings in danger because we don't know how to value them in any sort of way. Dave, excellent point. I want to continue down that path about this society that we've built. And I, I argued we've got a secular society that desires sex without consequence. Yeah. We have a secular society that I think what you're arguing is that that just doesn't want consequences for anything. Hey, if, if, if I don't attend school or if I... Uh, ignore my teachers in school, never do my homework, never make good grades. Uh, I don't want the consequences from that. I just want, that's racist. You know, I I know I didn't go to school. I know I didn't pay attention in school. I know I never turned my homework in, but I didn't do it because there was racism. And so if things aren't perfect, if they're not handed to me on on a silver spoon, I don't have to do what Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington or James Whitlock, Jimmy Whitlock, my father, or even what Jason Whitlock did. It's like, hey, things weren't perfect. I just made the best of it. But, but we want a society without consequences. And so if I go smash and grab, don't arrest me for that. If, if, if I uh, want to fuss, argue, and fight with the police, for 20 or 30 minutes. Don't put me on the ground. Don't, don't, don't ever get physical with me, regardless of what I do. I, th- this lie that this evil spirit is telling people, and again, it, it starts to seep out. They tell black people first, and then it will, hold on. They're building a life for them without consequence. Everybody. Well, I want a life without consequence. I want to do whatever it is I want to do. And so if, if, if I create a child or anything that inhibits my happiness, I have the right to eliminate it and act like it never happened and just move right on with my life. And, and you know, as men, we're, we're taking these women straight to hell. Mm. I, um, as I was going through the decision, Jason, Casey is leaning heavily on Roe v. Wade, but the, um, part of the argument inside of Casey was that I get to define what life, liberty and happiness and, and property is that that's what Casey was arguing that I, as an individual get to decide liberty and what life is. And part of what we've missed inside of this whole conversation with abortion is exactly what you just hit. It is the fact that we are the arbiters of what is reality and we're not. This is every sin, everything that is anti-God, the whole goal and purpose of it is to recreate what reality is. This is why this is so important. When you lose reality, you you then become a you can create it however you want, right? You can make it however you what is actually wrong? There is nothing wrong. If I want to murder somebody, it's only a matter of time before we can say, you know what? Murder in the womb, uh, you can do that. Murder at two-year-olds, why not? I'm the arbiter of reality. It's a, I have a hard time feeding them. I'm, I want to live the life that I want to live. I need more liberty in my life. 
we have completely recreated reality to our own making. And that's what happens when you deny God and when men let serpents talk to women and then they listen to those women and repeat back to them, you do whatever you like. What we have are men just like Adam who have refused to step up to the serpent and say, no, you have been given to me. You are the crowning glory of man, woman. You have been given to me and you are a value to me to help me make something beautiful in this world. And I refuse to let some serpent speak to you and tell you that you can recreate reality. God gave us a reality to live by. And I'm going to teach you what God has taught me so that we can make a beautiful world. And when we stop letting the serpent take control of the conversation, what we see is human flourishing. And when we let the serpent take control of the conversation, what we see is nothing but death and murder. And so Roe v. Wade being overturned is is it's, it's good in one sense. It's also scary in another because we still have individual fights at these states to deal with. But. If pastors are not willing on their Sunday mornings to say anything about this fight, then what they've done is cripple the advancement of life in every area of America. And that's what scares me right now, Jason, is that I, 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 I can't understand. I, I, Go ahead. Th- that's the question I wanted to ask you about. It feels to me this past Sunday, I, I did a deep dive and was watched a lot of sermons. Many faith leaders seem afraid to address the abortion issue. And I I would love your theory as to why. Yeah, I I think that what what we've been talking about this, you talk about this a lot on the show. I think that there has to be a very clear distinction between a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and a motivational speaker. And what we have seen come out more and more in America is more motivational speakers and less ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A motivational speaker is more concerned about your feelings and teaching you how in the world you can pull your own self up. It leaves you in charge. It tells you what you want to hear and to show and it tries to give you some motivation within yourself to be able to pull yourself up to do something great. That's a motivational speaker. He doesn't want to confront your sins at the end of the day. A minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ brings you directly in front of your sins and shows you the wickedness of your sins and shows you the depravity of yourself and says you have no hope within yourself to pull yourself up. You are a dead man. But Christ has come to give you life. He has come to give you his righteousness. He has come to bring you his holiness so that you can operate within his life by the work of the spirit. And so a a minister of the gospel is not afraid to deal with the women in his congregation that he knows have had abortions, some who have not repented of it. And he's not afraid to talk about this and deal with them because he knows where they need to take their sins. And so he brings them to the cross to take their sins there. A motivational speaker, he doesn't have a place for them to take their sins because they can't pull themselves up with a weight like that, with a burden like that as a murderer. There's no place for them to take off this heavy burden. And so he can't deal with the topic. He's got to figure out a way to be clever about it. But a minister of the gospel, he offers a different solution to the problem. And that's what I think we're seeing, Jason. We're seeing motivational speakers versus ministers of the gospel. Dave, I want to end on this note. 
my overall narrative here is that, and I talk about it all the time, fame is a drug, money's a drug. It, it creates a God complex in me. Mm. And I've tried to, I, I've been, I'll go all the way back to when I was in my mid-20s. And I started making, and again, mid-20s, that is, wow, that's 30 years ago, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> uh, I started making six figures. And as far as I knew, I was the first person in my family to make six figures. I was making low 100s, 125, 150,000, I, I can't remember. And it, at that time in my mid it warped my brain. And, and it brought out an ego and an arrogance and a belief. Again, you, again, I know there are many people listening like, a hundred, again, I came from nothing. My father didn't graduate high school. My mother was a factory worker. Me and my father lived in a one bedroom, 400 square foot apartment. Me making $125,000, $150,000 at, at 25, 26 years old felt like I was a millionaire, but whenever that was in the 90s. Uh, and so it, it just warped my mind and brain. And then I saw it, and particularly as I, I acquired more wealth and would run with, because again, what happens is when you start making money young, and you start associating with other young people that are making a lot of money. So I started associating with professional athletes, became my friends in my social circle. And I, I could see, and they're making even more money than me, but I could see what it did to all of us. And it, 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 I, 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 when I hear all of it from Portnoy to LeBron, uh, to even OJ and the whatever money he's got left to, <laughs> All of, I just I hear I hear Samuel L. Jackson. I just hear people with God complexes and and they're, they're just lost. And and I, I, that's that's what I see a God complex among men. We are the and again, when I hear a guy like Dave Portnoy, remove God from it. It's just like Dave Portnoy thinks he's smarter than the founding fathers because, oh, the founding fathers owned slaves. And Dave Portnoy sitting there, I wouldn't own slaves. And Dave Portnoy has no idea. I think at some point when he meets his maker, somebody's going to be like, now, you think them slave owners was bad. How many abortions did you pay for? I'd have rather you put them kids in slavery than kill them in the womb. And I could be totally wrong, but that's what I think someone at some point is going to ask this dude, like, now them people was bad back then, but you, you all right now out in the streets to, uh, fighting for the right to murder kids in the womb? You look far more insane, far more depraved than George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. You know, it's funny, but slave owners knew human beings were the most valuable commodity on planet Earth. They knew more better that than liberals. Liberals in the left seemed to completely misunderstand that. They kill off all the human beings. Slave owners were like, what are you doing? We need them to work at least. 
So I, I have to agree with you. I think that the, the new slave owners, these new modern folks who want to kill off humans, have no concept. They are far more detached from reality than the slave owners themselves. You know, as far as the God complex, Jason. Particularly, I, I, hold on, particularly George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, these, they knew what they were doing was wrong and admitted it. Yep. And put documents in place to end the wrong things that they were doing. And so... They had enough self-awareness to understand the, the, the sin that they were participating in. This group we have here now, now is committing a worse sin, in my opinion, and has oh, yeah. no idea that it is a sin. Yeah, you know, I, I, think they, I think what's worse than that, Jason, is that they actually know it is a sin. Um, Romans 1 says that although they knew God, they chose not to honor him as God. Right. And choosing to worship the created things over the creator. So (laughs) the problem with this situation for them is that they know very full well what they're doing. This is why their argument isn't, hey, we should be we should be allowed to kill people. The argument is, hey, we shouldn't have a choice in it. (laughs) They know what they're doing. They we thought so much in the pro-life movement that if we can get people convinced that that was a human being in the womb, that we can get them to come over to our side. And that was part of our failure was that we thought that maybe they didn't know. The problem is that we weren't reading our Bibles ourselves. They know exactly what it is. They know it ain't a donkey. They know it ain't a horse. They know it ain't a fly. Jason, they know it's a human being in the womb. And so I think that their wrath is going to be a lot worse than the wrath of our slave masters. I I think the slave masters at least have more common sense to them to know, all right, um, you know, we need the work. We need people. We don't want to kill the things that bring us value. And for these people, they don't even think that a human being has any value. That's just how bad <laughs> that, that I think that they are at the end of the day with this. Um, I do I do want to say that there is, uh, when it comes to uh, money and it, us becoming gods because of being rich, I, I can understand how money can change a person. I think it actually reveals more of what the person is on the inside, to be honest with you. But what I can't understand is how people who don't have money hold to the same values and beliefs as people who do. <laughs> so hey, that part for me is very confusing for people who don't have money and still have the God complex. I think that just points to the fact at the end of the day, Jason, that there is a sin issue that is deep at the heart of this. And regardless if we have money or not, our denial of who God is and us wanting to be God is really the foundation for our position. Dave, thank you so much. Great job as always. I went twice as long as I planned on going, but you were too good to let go. Uh, Let me take care of some business. There are two things you need for the 4th of July, and it's coming up a week from today. Fireworks in a good old-fashioned American steak. It's easy to get good fireworks. They're on every corner. There's a vendor everywhere, but getting high-quality American meat isn't as easy. Don't cook up a steak from some other country this 4th of July. Yeah, over 85% of grass-fed beef you find in stores is imported from overseas. This year, instead, grill up 100% American Prime ribeye from Good Ranchers. Right now, they're giving away two free 18-ounce prime ribeyes with my code FEARLESS. 
Good Ranchers is an award-winning subscription company that delivers American meat to your door. They sell steakhouse quality beef, chicken, and seafood that's superior to what you're buying at the grocery store. You can do a one-time purchase to try it out or subscribe and get $25 off every box for the life of your subscription. It's an amazing product delivered right to your door every four, six, or eight weeks. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless or use my promo code fearless at checkout to get your two free 18 ounce ribeyes. Shop Good Ranchers today. It's American Meat Delivered. I need you guys to do this. Use my promo code. Use the backslash fearless. We got to let them know that the Fearless Army supports Good Ranchers. I got to let them know that the Fearless Army supports me and this show. And Good Ranchers supports me and this show and the worldview that we believe in. Be a good soldier. Support Good Ranchers. All right, TJ Moe, we're going to continue our conversation. X. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's go out to St. Louis, bring in the Show Me Kid, uh, former SEC football player, uh, former Missouri Tiger, uh, with the Rams and the Patriots briefly. TJ, I got an easy question for you that's kind of hard uh, based off my mono, but were, were athletes ever good role models? That's an excellent question that obviously I can't answer for the early years. You know, nobody would know, uh, particularly because there was no social media. I think people have outed themselves with social media. And as other people have shown their immorality, more people have felt comfortable showing theirs. And so it's just been a, a terrible chain reaction. I do think you got you and Dave Shannon hit on this a little bit. We didn't used to pay athletes like we pay them now. There was no TV. Every game wasn't televised. So the finances weren't there. You didn't have these massive TV contracts. Um, I mean, way back in the day, you didn't even have free agency. And so the money wasn't there and the celebrity wasn't there. I mean, uh, Terry Bradshaw talks about working his second job as he was winning Super Bowls. You know, there was it was just a different time. And so the celebrity began probably during the 70s. Contracts started to get somewhat bigger during the 70s. Prior to that, I think they were pretty normal people. And so those type of normal people would have the same morals that any other normal person would have. Uh, I want to tell you two quick stories that that I actually think the celebrity has created the lack of role models more than the finances. One of them is a stupid story about myself, but we'll just give you an idea. I'm a nobody. Everybody knows that I'm a nobody. Okay. In 2013, after I'd already graduated from Mizzou, I was driving down to the SEC championship game and got down. I was in, uh, you know, right at the northern border of Georgia. And so I'm not familiar with the roads. I have no idea what the speed limit is. And so I'm going 80, just, you know, get pulled over. And a uh, super southern guy walks up, says, you have any idea how fast you were going? And I said, hey, man, I, I'm not from here. I'm a St. Louis kid, wanted to come see my boys play. He said, you played SEC football? I said, used to once upon a time, don't anymore, just wanted to see my guys. He said, hey, speed limit's 50. I don't want to mess you up. You have fun and walked off, right? So 
that's the culture in Georgia about how much they value SEC football. I used to play, didn't want to mess me up. Okay. So there's one tiny story about I don't quite have to play by the rules as everyone else might have to. A lot of people going 30 over with the Missouri license plate, probably get a ticket there. But the second one I think is, is more my point. I, I should have never been a host for recruits, right? Um, but I was once upon a time. Doriel Green Beckham, the number one recruit in the country, was coming to Missouri. This is before he decided whether or not he was going to commit to Missouri. And I was assigned to be his host. Again, I don't know how to have the fun, the type of fun that these recruits are looking to have. But they told me, you know, I was a senior uh, captain on the team and all that. And they're like, look, you could show him a good time. So he gets there and we go out and have a lobster dinner, steak dinner, all the good stuff. And then I'm supposed to take him out to a bunch of places that 18 year olds aren't supposed to go. Um, and that, you know, we don't have the money to go to. So one of the coaches, I'm, I'm far past the statute of limitations here. It's been 10 years. Coaches aren't there. There's been, but one of the coaches walks up, gives me a few hundred bucks says, Hey, if you need any more money, just let me know. Obviously that is a moral that right against NCAA regulations, not a big deal. But point is he's willing to look past that for a big recruit. Gives me a few hundred bucks says, call me if you need any more. We then go out to one of the bars, which again, can't go in as an 18 year old. Um, there's actually signs on the front of these bars that says DGB parties here. So they are out front showing the police who are out there patrolling the streets that the 18 year old that everybody in the country knows is in town parties here. So it takes him in. And so, right. The police now have given up their morals, the, um, and, and, and the duty that they're supposed to have. The bar owner has given up their morals and the duty that they're supposed to have to follow the law. The coaching staff has given up theirs by following the NCAA regulations. Then we get down there and it's like girl after girl. And they're like, doesn't matter if we like him or not, we're going to take one for the team tonight, you know, to go sit on his lap, make him happy. And it's just, and so it's like one person after the next, after the next, after the next, we will all give up our morals, whatever those happen to be to make this happen because we need to get here, here to Missouri. And again, nothing crazy happened. He had a few drinks, just like any 18 year old didn't go home with any of those girls. We took him back to his hotel. It was a, it was a totally normal, probably, probably the least fun he had on any recruiting visit because I was the one that was uh, in charge of showing him a good time. But my point is that's an 18 year old, right? And so why do we expect that these athletes today with the finances that we give them and with the attention that we give them and we all put our morals on the back burner to give them whatever they want. Why do we think that they then would embrace their own morals and say, I know nobody's following theirs and they tell me I don't need to follow any of the rules, but I should do that anyway. I mean, we've set it up for them and now we're surprised that they're not just men of honor. I, I don't get it. I, I Great explanation and it, it we, we've produced a culture that baits them to abandon any morals that they had, and we incentivize that. The, the other thing that I thought about was, because I used to be friends with Lynn Dawson when I worked in Kansas City, and Lynn Dawson had a long TV career that actually started when he was a quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. He was doing, <clears throat> he was a sports anchor in his spare time, and ended up doing that when he retired. But, but the, the point is, 
that before all the money came in, in order to be successful, you had to use, share, understand, abide by a lot of the moral codes and ethics that the normal working class person had to in order to have success because you weren't making so much money that the rules didn't apply to you and that showing up on time and working every day didn't apply to you. And so because of all the money, and we've turned it into the genetics lottery. If mm. you have enough talent, it almost doesn't matter. I'm trying to think of the defensive end that started out at UCLA. I think his name's Jalen Phillips, number one recruit in the country. I remember I met him first semester he was down at UCLA. I was living there. And uh, he, he was freshman defensive end, played a little bit, but either got injured, got involved with drugs, and just the whole washed out of UCLA, goes to Miami for one year and has an okay year at Miami <clears throat> and then ends up a first-round draft pick in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, 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 his college career was completely irrelevant. He, he got drafted that high because of his talent, because he could run so fast in a 40, six foot five, you know, so strong. It, it just, it wasn't about how hard he worked and how, it was about his talent and we've done that to sports. There are, again, there are some athletes that have a lot of talent that apply uh, some of those methods. But I, I say all the time, it's like, if LeBron James were a failure, he would be Michael Beasley. And Michael Beasley played at Kansas State, uh, mm-hmm. first round pick, second or third pick in the draft. Ended up making around $40 million in the NBA. Uh, not a bad life for a guy that put virtually very little effort into perfecting his, his craft, uh, was irresponsible, uh, and most people would consider kind of a bust for how much talent he had based on talent. But it's hard to fail when you got so much talent. Let me, let me, this is along a similar line. Let me ask you this follow-up to that. Do athletes understand or embrace the values taught in sports? And, and so do they, because again, I go back to my point about in athletics, your coach, the whole locker room environment is like every problem, every solution starts with the man in the mirror, the guys in his locker room. And then I look around and I see every athlete uh, talking about what the government needs to do to fix mm-hmm. a problem. And, and it's like a complete rejection of the culture taught in sports. Do they understand it? Do they embrace it? Or do they just think, ah, this applies to sports, but not to the rest of life. I think it's the last one because we've shown them otherwise, as we just hit on. We've showed them otherwise that those values don't apply because they can get exceptional results and everybody else will will look past their own morality to give them whatever they need in the rest of life and they can succeed there without, I can go 80 miles an hour and not get any tickets. You know, it's like, I always say this about DUIs and things like, 
the DUIs that we know about is like the seventh one that that guy got because he's been escorted home six other times by the police. And they're like, this is getting ridiculous. We got to slap you with them. That that's true in politics, sports, entertainment. If you have any sort of notoriety, you don't play by the same rules. Um, I loved your point in your fire starter about the guy who, uh, I don't even remember his name now, but talking about, Hey, the government needs to give now pay maternity leave. And we got to set up free healthcare and all these things. He's saying Johnson. Thank you, Jacob Johnson. Okay. So the reality of what he's saying there is, well, you guys better do something about it. Cause I'm sure not going to, you can't expect me to stick around and be a man that I know that in, in football, I, the, the highest values are commitment and respect and leadership and accountability, resilience, all these things. But I'm not doing that for a woman. What? I'm just I'm just not. That's not who I am. I'm I'm above that. And so I'm going to use her as the tool that I want to use her for. She's there for my pleasure. That's it. And these guys who pretend to be these huge uh, guardians of women's rights are the least respectful people to women in America. They're the ones discarding them and saying, I'm not going to help her. She's not worth pursuing or respecting or cherishing. Why would I need to do anything for her? You better do it if you're going to make her keep my baby because I'm not going to do it. Uh, Excellent, excellent point. I I bet you Jacob Johnson would argue, which is just as bad. I'm not talking about me. Mm. I'm talking about men in general. I'm talking, we better put all these things in place because, again, we've, nuclear families have been disrupted. The idea that nuclear families, you know, Hillary Clinton takes a village, you know, mm-hmm. and so we've got this whole thing like, there's a village out here, there's this community of people that can raise your kids. And we've moved away from like, no, nah, that's mama and daddy, that's their role the support should come from grandmama and granddaddy and maybe auntie and uncles. Support of the parents, not an over, not overtaking, and because it should come from the family, but we've disrupted all of that. And so Jacob Johnson, <laughs> you ain't gonna get these dudes to take responsibility for these kids. The government better come in with healthcare and they better come in with all these needs that need to be met. And not only are men not gonna live up to their responsibilities, but women aren't going to uh, prioritize their kids over their careers. And so if we don't have healthcare that they can drop these, or uh, daycare and whatever else that they can drop these kids off at every day so mama and daddy can go out and chase a check and, and, and have a second home in another city and a third car and every flat screen TV and new invention ever come. He's basically saying, like, that's old fashioned to expect parents to sacrifice for their kids. The government needs to step in and help us raise these kids. It's an expectation at this point. It's crazy, too. It's spoken for me. He probably isn't married and, and doesn't have a family. My wife is very, very smart. She has a great job and she makes a lot of money doing her job. And we have a one-year-old and she can't wait until the day that we are in a place financially that she can quit her job that she's great at so she can be a stay-at-home mother. That's her goal. That was never the goal when we were thinking about having kids. We had a plan of like, hey, you're great at your job. You're really smart. You get a lot of fulfillment out of what you're doing every day. Maybe you're just not the, you know, we'll pay for daycare. 
and you, you know, we'll figure it out. She saw that baby, never wanted to go back to work after the three months maternity leave. She's like, I don't know how I'm going to leave this kid. So it's like, this is spoken from a guy who doesn't understand the instincts of a mother when she sees that baby. It's like, I don't, I've, the second Haven, our daughter, came out, she's like, I've never loved something so much in my life, right? We wanted Haven. It wasn't seen as something that was uh, disruptive to our lives or anything. Nonetheless, we had different plans that immediately stopped because we saw that baby and said, we've never loved something more than this baby right now. We're willing to give up our jobs. We're willing to make less money to make it work. We're already talking about how we're going to homeschool her because we want to make sure that she's safe from some of the cultural rock going on. We're, we're, we're willing to turn up our entire lives that we still had plans for, even though we wanted her, because that's what happens when you have kids. So this, this is spoken from people who don't know anything about kids. They don't know anything about the, the instincts of mothers. They don't know anything. What happens when you are committed as a man? This is one thing I said to you off the air. If men today... Instead of saying what this loser said, can't remember his name, don't even want to know. Instead of saying what this loser said, if men stood up and said, listen, don't agree with it, whatever, but I'm telling you, if it ever happens to me, I will be there and we will handle this together. I will never leave your side. Whether we get married or not, I will be there for you. And so you'll never have to go about this alone. If you go look up on the Gallup polls right now, there are more women that are pro-choice than men. And why is that? Because they know the men aren't gonna stick around and they can't see how they can handle it themselves. So men are to blame for this as much as anybody. They don't know anything about how to be a good man or a good dad or what it would be like for a mother to actually get to see her baby in her arms and realize how passionately in love she is from the second that baby came out. These men don't know how to do anything. They're all cowards. So instead of taking that those values from the football field that you just discussed and applying them to a marriage and realizing that women should be pursued, respected, and cherished, and that baby deserves the same treatment, you say, well, the government better do something about it because I'm sure not going to. You know what's so weird, TJ, for me is let's, if my college coaches are watching right now, and some of them do from time to time, they, they would sit there and say, man, I w the way Whitlock has applied the values we taught in, co in college football to his career and his, the rest of his life, if he had done that when he actually played football here, he would have been a hell of a player for us. Because <laughs> the light bulb didn't go off for me until after college. I'm just, I was not a reliable teammate, and that's why I only lettered for two years. That's why I only played for two years. The first two years I rode the bench, uh, and, and because, and could have, if I had put any effort, I would have been a starter. There, you know, there, I think I only played with one offensive lineman the whole time I was at Ball State that was better than me. Uh, I'm sorry to offend anybody that may be watching, but Craig Cantor was. <laughs> but I, I just, so I applied everything afterward, just like the light bulb went off, like, oh, man, I just had this great experience. There was all these values that they, they taught in football that I complied to the rest of my life, and it's worked so well for me. I, I don't. Understand, but again, I'm not making the money that these professional athletes have made. I'm not being worshipped uh, the way they are. So may maybe that's why the light bulb doesn't go off for them. Uh, so what do you think of my contention that what we're seeing from men is just they just want the escape from the consequences of sex? 
I think that's sort of the explanation that I just gave a second ago. I think it's absolutely correct. They want to that. I saw a really stupid picture uh, floating around on Twitter and it was a picture of two. It was, they called it their maternity pictures, right? There, it was two gay guys facing each other, holding hands. And there was a pregnant woman way off in the distance, holding her belly as if she had no more relevance than the baby that she was giving to them. So that's how I view how these idiots are looking at women. I'm like, it's the most disrespectful thing in the world. God created women. They are to be cherished. They are not to be used as some sort of sexual tool and then discarded. But that's what this stupid, it wasn't even a meme. It was a real, it was from Instagram. That's what these idiots were doing uh, in their maternity picture. And that's what LeBron's arguing, that women... These are my sexual tools. And if they happen to produce a baby, well, they ain't got nothing to do with me. And I'm not, I'm, I might have to pay for it, would prefer not to. So why don't you just let them kill it? Because I will not be there to raise these babies. So I'm just, it's, it's a skirt of responsibility like we always talk about. But it is so demeaning of women and what they were made to be and who they are and what they can offer us. They're just the woman standing in the back who happens to produce the baby that, that um, the women are the inconvenience. It's problematic. All right. We talked about this yesterday personally. Uh, My guy, Mike Todd, did not address the Roe v. Wade uh, decision in a sermon that went on for about two and a half hours. And Hmm. I caught every drop of it. (laughs) And and maybe I I batted an eye and blinked, but he did not address the Roe v. Wade thing. Do you feel like ministers, the church, did they owe it to their congregation uh, to address this issue on Sunday. If you want to be viewed as somebody that's going to tell their congregation the truth, then yes. I'm, I'm just telling you, one of two things is the reason that ministers would not go head on about this, right? Number one is they're too afraid to tell the truth because people might leave their church or their offerings may go down or people may get offended and they get, they'll, they'll be seen as somebody who is um, controversial and they don't want to read these mean emails. That's one thing. And by the way, if you're, if you're too afraid to tell the truth as a minister, then retire because you don't belong in, in that profession. The second thing would be that they don't value the culture war and and the critical uh, role that Christians play within the culture war. We are called to be the salt of the earth. And so this is why my my pastor was incredible yesterday. First 15 minutes of the service, he didn't even have to say what happened. Oh, he stood up there. First thing he said was, man, this week was historic, wasn't it? Praise God. And the entire congregation stood up and applauded. He, everybody knew what he was talking about because he's faced all of this head on and he couldn't get us to shut up. In fact, it, it went on for a few minutes to the point where he said, all right, you guys got to settle down. We got to get through this service because so, people were so excited about the first legitimate um, church accomplishment. Because, I mean, make no mistake here. It was it was Christians who got Roe overturned. Christians voted for Republicans who promised to put pro-life Supreme Court justices. If there's if there's. Uh, a single voter, you know, if you go look at the studies, pro-life, if anybody's a, a um, single issue voter, pro-life is at the top for a ton of Republicans. They don't even care about the other stuff. They're just pro-life and they're tired of seeing babies slaughtered. And so Christians put people in place to get this done. You should celebrate that accomplishment. We did this, right? That's democracy. We put our votes to action, got 
President Trump elected against a lot of people who hated his personality, but they saw the list. If you remember, uh, during those debates, he said, I'm going to release a list of people that I will choose from on the Supreme Court. So we already had the list up front. We knew that there was all pro-lifers on there. So we took his word for it, elected him, and then he put three pro-life justices on the court that eventually got it done. That is worth celebrating. So if you can't celebrate that as a church, I'm telling you, if you're controversial, if your church didn't celebrate this, you need to find a new church because they're not running the right direction. That's that's tough for me to hear. Obviously, I'm a big Mike Todd fan, and and I guarantee his argument would be, hey, I had a game plan. The Holy Spirit wanted me to do this series that he, the cuffing season deal. And it was a great series. I mean, it mm -hmm. went on for eight or nine weeks. It's a great series, ended on a relatively strong note, but it did not satisfy me at all. I don't understand how you can go for on for two and a half hours. You can cut out five minutes, you can cut out 10 mm -hmm. minutes, you can cut out two minutes and just recognize that something big went on in the culture and just make sure to reinforce the church's position. He's got a relatively young congregation that, I'm, again, I'm sure is sexually active, needs guidance on this issue, needs to know where the church stands. And, and maybe they're saying, hey, the church already knows where we stand. It's obvious. We didn't need to explain it. But I'm sorry. Yes, you did. And I was glad that Tony Evans, another guy mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm big on, put out a statement, addressed it straightforward. Uh, I also watched uh, Pastor Bobby uh, this weekend. I watched his sermon. Uh, he went at it full speed. I would think Anthony addressed it. I'll find out later this week. He'll send me a sermon. Uh, it seemed like he was going to. So, Anyway, TJ, I'm going to let you go. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to end on a little bit. I, I don't know if this will be a lighter note. We're going to go to the Korean Cosell uh, and get his take on all the pro-abortion athletes uh, by the way, if you're watching on uh, Shop Blaze Media, or no, I'm sorry, if you're watching on youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, uh, hit those subscribe, hit the notifications. Uh, Karen Parker, I'm glad I just thought of this. Karen Parker, she won the contest uh, yesterday or last week about guessing my weight. Karen Parker, I need you to contact me. I owe you a hundred bucks and I want to get it to you. Uh, I'll be in the live chat tonight. I'll be in the comments. Karen, uh, reach back out to me. Uh, today, I want you to hop in those comments. and Can you tell the guys that I bought a new sport coat? That, that one that fits, that doesn't swallow me. I'm hoping it makes me look better. Could you guys hop in the comments in the live chat and tell me, is, is this new sport coat making me look better? Uh, Troy and I have been in conversations about making me some new sport coats. I had to do something in the interim. And so I went and bought a couple of sport coats. What, what do you guys think? Don't lie to me, but I'll, don't be as brutally honest as Christian. Don't, 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 don't try to devastate me. Call me 320. All right, uh, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's bring in uh, my favorite fearless contributor, the most fearless man on the show, 
the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim, we'll see what uh, he can say inappropriate today to try to get me and or him in trouble. Uh, I'm just going to lob you softballs, uh, Please Steve. Please do. Uh, agreeing with O.J. Simpson, that's got to be a bad look for these athletes, no? I guess so. You know, look, I'll say one thing about O.J., when he tweets, it's not even about the tweet. It's about the comments. But to see O.J. Simpson, of all things, be pro-life, cue Alanis. That's ironic. A thousand. He's not pro-life. What are you talking well, about? I mean, what I video mean, did you watch? He's pro, I mean, pro-choice. pro-choice yeah. Right. I, I just thought it was interesting <laughs> that he's taken this stance. But look. I've been listening to the show, and you find it fun. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop. stop. Yes, I do. You find it ironic that OJ Simpson is pro murder? You find that ironic? Yes, I do. Because for years he still (laughs) he has he has never admitted it. He has never admitted it. He is still looking for that killer. And if he's ever on the 18th hole of a golf course, he might find him. But. You know, O.J. Simpson tweets to me are like a national treasure because the guy is either oblivious to his reputation or he just has no self-awareness, and his delivery just makes me laugh. And then the first thing you do when you get an O.J. tweet on that timeline, you scroll down the comments, and it's just comedy. You spend at least 15 minutes chuckling to yourself over the responses that he's getting. And yes, there were a few Nicole jokes in there, which are very inappropriate. I will not repeat them on this fine program. I'm going to repeat one of them. The one that I saw that stuck out to me, they said, if you're need, if you're in need of abor- an abortion, OJ will take a stab at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone actually said something about this guy will, will, will abort you all the way to the 105th trimester. And I'm like, wow, that guy did the math <laughs> on her age. And just put it out there. I was this close to retweeting it, but it was Sunday, and I said, "You know what? Let's just start. Let's just not do that. Let's not, let's not do that." Yeah, let, let's not do that. All right. Uh, let me throw up another song because Dave Portnoy or O.J. Simpson, who would you want your sister to date? Okay, this is a tough one. This is like saying, "Hey, would you rather have gonorrhea or syphilis?" You know, neither are great, but then you take the lesser of two evils. All right, so one guy in Portnoy, who I respect as a businessman, as an American capitalist, has built his own network. It's a great American success story, but I'm seeing a lot of pandering to him. Now, if he goes out with your sister, and I want to make this clear, this will be consensual, she might be defiled. Not good, not good, but still consensual, but you're getting defiled. Now with the juice, she might get beheaded. Got to go with Portnoy. Wouldn't be happy with either, either but I got to go with old DP there. All right. On a more serious note about Portnoy, I, I, I agree with you, but I, I want to know how far we agree on this. I think he's pandering. Of course. I think that, that, that he's so afraid of getting me too uh, He's so afraid of getting me too that he can't be honest on any of this type stuff. No. And so he's got to be woke and he's got to take women's side on this. Now, I think that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is uh, I think that he's uh, a bit of, 
he likes young younger women, and he who doesn't indiscriminately. I agree with that. Who doesn't? But he indiscriminately <laughs> flies them in. He, he flies them in that he barely knows. He's had some disagreements. It seems like with some of them. So it would lead me to believe that, like when I'm talking about someone that wants the ability to offer cash, an NDA, and an abortion. I'm really talking about yeah. Dave Dave Portnoy. You mean Dave Pandernoy? Yeah, look, it's obvious. He wants some social justice credit equity. Uh, he's probably negative 9,000 on that department. This may bring him to about, what, negative 7,000? But look, there's no doubt about it that I don't think he wants to be hit upon anymore in terms of getting me too'd. My argument would be, and I certainly feel for him because I thought he got absolutely railroaded by a corrupt system and corrupt journalists and a corrupt system of corporate media. You've already been me too'd. Uh, once you're me too'd as a person who has a public profile like Dave Portnoy, it's like having that really nice white cardigan sweater and you have grape juice spilled all over it. You ain't getting it out. You can get the Clorox, you can get any type of bleach. It's still there, it's a stain. Whether, it, whether it's fair or not, that is not even the question. So to see that now Dave Portnoy also said, oh my God, it's dangerous to vote Republican. I got Dave, Dave, it's over for you. You are who you are. And I, I just I just find myself not respecting it as much because I, I actually think when you've made strong statements in the past, whether it's about politics, religion or sex, things that are kind of sort of important to people beyond entertainment and sports, you got to plant your flag. You got to stand on it. That, that's my view. And quite frankly, he's not doing that. Totally agree with you. Steve, were athletes ever the right role models or even good role models? No, they, they never should have been. And Charles Barkley was ahead of his time when he said, I'm not your role model. Because look, Charles understood who he was. And he even said, hey, look, Unless you can rebound like me, jump like me, and play like me, don't be like me because it's not going to work. And the reality is that going all the way back to, to Babe Ruth, we, we've placed an idolatry upon athletes for their athletic and physical prowess. In fact, I did that as a kid. I think we all did. We had posters. We had magazine articles. We idolized these guys. But as I get older... I've come to the realization, even though I look forward to certain sports and I still follow certain teams religiously as a fan and as a journalist, I realize one thing. All you're really doing is playing a game. You're not curing cancer. Uh, you're not finding any real solutions to things that affect everyday people. They never should have been our role models. And there was that movie, The, the Bronx Tale where the lead character, I think played by Robert De Niro, said, hey, at the end of the day, Mickey Mantle ain't paying my bills, kid. I'm the one you should be idolizing. So I, I think it's been uh, um, an object lesson for all of America is be careful who you listen to. I think uh, part of the degradation of our society in America is that we have placed athletes, celebrities, actors, singers, any type of entertainers on some sort of pedestal and actually begun, begun to listen to what they had to say about real important issues. All right, we're about to make the exact same mistake with the Korean Cosell because I've been told 
you want to make a more serious point. You uh, have some. You, you, yeah. You're not. You're I not pro-life, huh? I, I've got. I've, I've been jotting down a lot of things here. I want to go several different directions. Here's the thing, Jason, right. and you 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 used this term before because I think you've been a party to it. You've called it post-nut clarity. There's no doubt. Athletes want post-nut insurance. This is why all of them are like, oh, I'm with you. Let's abort. They want to abort like Houston on Apollo 12. Of course they do. I, I mean, at the end of the day, they want to have the Allstate or the farmers. They want to be in good hands and, hey, look, I don't need another kid. But seriously, here's a question that I want to ask you, though, Jason. And I know that's an ethical and moral question. And I actually am on your side on this. But from a practical standpoint, we are imperfect beings. All of us are. We're an imperfect individual as our own person. We're an imperfect society. We're an imperfect country. I respect that. I accept it. But here's the question that I have to you, Mr. Whitlock. Do you really want to see more single mothers and kids without fathers in the home? This is a large problem in many of our cities, the impact on that particular family dynamic where there is not the nuclear family. That's the question that I have. And I just look at it and some of these women that are protesting, shrieking out of their minds, losing all sense of sanity, I'm thinking to myself, God, I hope you never do procreate. I mean, we have to be honest about this. Do we really need more unwed mothers and kids, specifically young men who never have a real father in the home? And Steve, I, I, I don't think we need more of that. I think we need uh, more abstinence. I think we need more condoms. I okay. think we need more birth control. I think we need more sex without drugs and alcohol being the foundation of it. And I think that those things are all, they can be accomplished. I lived in an era. At age 55, when I was a kid, a girl or a guy having sex was a big deal. Everybody talked about it. Oh my God, you got yeah. blah, blah, blah. And if you heard, it was a bit, now it's nothing. Now it, it, it's as simple as swiping right or We can have that culture again where people actually thought. Really, even in the era sex, of Tinder, really, you really believe that? I, I don't know if we could, if the genie can ever be put into the bottle again, Jason. Honestly. I, I, I think, again, t take. Steve, we lived in a time where drinking and driving was no big deal, was nothing. We had to change that culture. Did we eliminate drinking and driving? No. We've reduced it. People frown upon it. We've created a culture where it's not a cool thing to do anymore. I think we can, with the right marketing, messaging, uh, you know, and, and effort, and again, some sort of return to biblical values, some sort of allowing, uh, uh, again, we're, we're gonna have to, we have no choice, well, but I, I, I'll, I'll, in terms of just, the again, these guys getting called out, need to be getting called out for basically saying, oh my God, you know, you can't take away abortion, that's taken away,
as if a condom is some kind of uh, crime against humanity. It's just not that hard. And again, I acknowledge, I certainly made a mistake in my lifetime participating in getting a woman pregnant, and, and, and I get it can happen. But not, and not in any way am I saying this with any ounce of pride. But I've had a fair amount of sex. And condoms work. <laughs> condoms, they, they work. I, I, they, they absolutely work. And this, I don't buy the myth. I don't think my equipment is somehow defective or different in like this whole like, oh, it just doesn't feel the same with a con. That's all BS. It, 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 Jason, it, it just, and, and whatever the difference in feeling is, it's not <laughs> worth it based on the responsibility that could be potentially created that you're not prepared for. And so, Jason, I, 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 I yeah, here's something I thought I'd never say to you on this show. I'm glad you brought up condoms because I have an idea. Clarence Thomas has been taking a beating. Poor guy. And I got a Clarence Thomas story I want to share with you, okay? But anyway, Clarence Thomas, I think, is a capitalist. The ultimate troll in business opportunity for the judge, come out, his, come out with his own line of condoms. Call it the judge. The tagline could be, cover your gavel. Seriously, you don't think that would be a hot seller? Could you walk, imagine walking into a 7-Eleven, got some stuff? Hey, uh, give me a pack of the judge. <laughs> The guy would get rich. The guy, the guy would make hand over money. He could quit the Supreme Court justice thing. It's a lot of hassle. By the way, uh, the only time Clarence Thomas ever really impacted my life, Jason, you're going to laugh at this. Back in 1991, it's October. That was the week when ABC and all these other networks were showing the Clarence Thomas Anita Hill trial. I was working a day job packing boxes at RPS, which is the low-budget UPS. So all throughout the week, I'm actually watching this trial on ABC with Peter Donaldson and I think uh, Jennings. I'm actually into it. You got talk of pubic hair on Coke cans and all. I'm like, wow, interesting stuff. So Saturday morning comes and it's a 9 a.m. start for Miami, Penn State. And all of a sudden it's like 8.59 and I'm thinking, okay, Peter Jennings, send it up to the Orange Bowl. Big game. That game to a lot of Miami fans is known as the Clarence Thomas game because it actually preempted large segments of that game at the Orange Bowl. And there's like three Miami touchdowns that were missed. And for years before YouTube, it was literally the hardest thing to find besides the Zupruder film, because we never got to actually saw the full footage. And years later on YouTube, only the markets in the Southern states and South Florida got to watch the whole three hour game. Jason, to me, was like Citizen Kane. And so when I watched that game, 26-20 Miami, on their way to a national title, <laughs> we always call it the Clarence Thomas game. But Clarence, all is forgiven now. You're good. You are good with us now, Judge. That's my story. All right, uh, let's wrap it up here. Go to our approval rating on O.J. Simpson. This is going to be very interesting. I, I, I can't wait to hear your approval rating on the juice uh, OJ, let, let's, let's get to it. Uh, job performance, 
I consider OJ uh, a high level social media troll. That's his job at this point. Uh, and I'm gonna give him a 14. I think he's pretty good at it. OJ pops up on uh, my Twitter feed, you know, every other month, every third month or so. Uh, he's a pretty good troll, so I give him a 14. Yeah, I, I don't know if he really has a job. What's he do anymore outside of being OJ and once in a while making a tweet? But I, like I said, his tweets are good. And I'm going to stay in character. I'm going to give him a 10. <laughs> he hunts for the real killer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, don't forget that. Uh, character. Uh, listen, I actually gave him points here for character. Mm. Because I've been so deep down the OJ rabbit hole that I actually believe there's a chance he took the uh, Nicole Brown rap to cover for his son. Oh my Again, God, what? I don't fully believe it. I don't fully believe it, but there's part of me, I've watched some, some documentaries and some read up some stuff that hmm. think his son Jason actually did it. He had a temper and well, uh, so I gave him a two in character on the chance that he took the OJ, uh, the Nicole rap for his son. I think one of the finest works that 30 for 30 has ever done on ESPN was that five part series or the chapters they did on OJ Simpson made in America. And it turns out even before the veil was uncovered of him being the nicest guy, basically Cliff Huxtable who can run the football, the very flawed individual wasn't always the most loyal guy. Um, had some issues, and you're gonna you're gonna love this, Jay. I didn't go with the zero or a five. I actually just gave him a one. So there, are you happy? I gave him a I one. I am happy. <laughs> gave him a one in character. All right. Uh, authenticity. I, I couldn't go high here because I think he lied about you know for the most part. I think he lied about what happened with Nicole, uh, and and I just. I just never, I was a fan of the 2,000-yard juice. I'm not going to lie. OJ <laughs> was, I, I loved OJ in Buffalo and his NFL career. Uh, but anyway, I gave him a three in authenticity. I'm not sure the truth is really in OJ. Yeah, you know, first of all, real quickly, the OJ Simpson in his prime for about five years was as good as any running back I, I've ever seen, just based on highlights. No one that size could run that fast and had feet like him. Other guys are very fast in a straight line. Other guys can make people miss. Very rarely did you see a guy that could do that. Now, with that said, I find it interesting, Jay. You began this segment by saying, you know, I think his son may have done it. But then you say, well, OJ lied. Well, which is it, Jason? Jeez, all right. But anyway, that being said, I, I get it. I'm going to give him a 10 because even at his highest apex as a personality, it always seemed a little bit inauthentic, which is something Jim Brown had said for years. So I'm going to stick with that, a 10. Yeah, I didn't even mention Jim Brown, very good friend of mine, used to be back in the day. Uh, it factor, we can't do it. OJ's got it. Yes. OJ has it. He, he launched cable news. They're, they're MSNBC, <laughs> Fox News, they're all because of uh, OJ Simpson, yes. the OJ trial. Uh, but, you know, I got to knock off a few points because, you know, he spent all that time in jail and his star doesn't shine nearly as bright. He's basically left to trolling over social media. You know what? Should I reach out to OJ for an interview? 
Oh. Would that get us in trouble if we interviewed O.J. Simpson? No, be fearless. I'll give him a 22 in it factor. Okay, yeah, be first fair, of all. Yeah. I'll give him a 22 was, in it factor. I was such a sports nerd when uh, Al Cowlings was going down giving him uh, the uh, – you know, driving Miss Daisy treatment. I was the one guy. I was very upset they cut away from the NBA Finals. It was game five. I love the Kim Olajuwon. Uh, with that being said, the it factor. I have seen footage and I've seen clips that when OJ still steps into these clubs, these older Beckys, they love themselves some juice. I don't, I, they, are, they are willing to let bygones be bygones. I mean, the guy literally, <laughs> allegedly, may have killed somebody. But the Beckys are still lining up for him. For that, he gets a 25. 25, come on. Still got it. I, I, listen, I, if you got a murder rap and can still pull off the yeah. 40 to 60-year-old Becky, yes. uh, you know, yes. you, you certainly got it. And, heck, he may be going younger than 40. Who knows? <laughs> All right, uh, I've got him at a dumpster fire at 41. You somehow got OJ a candle lit. Uh, send those nasty emails to stevekim.com or at steve, steve at stevekim.com. Uh, I've got OJ appropriately at a dumpster fire. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, that's tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow. Nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be. I just want, I want to be. I just want, I want to be. I just